Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Well, on the phone line right now, uh, this guy, is, is he's a genius. He's, he's brilliant. Um, Carlos King, you see his name all over all these reality shows and, and the whole nine. It's because this guy knows exactly what he's doing. And, of course, OWN knows what they're doing because they're giving him his own show, his own recap show. Carlos, how you doing this morning, sir? I'm good, Russ. How's it going, my brother? Man, I got to tell you, uh, this is this is perfect for you oh, because you have one of the greatest Thank personalities. You. You, you really do. Uh, it's called The Nightcap with Carlos King, airing Saturdays at 10 p.m., and I love this concept. Of course, everybody's going to compare it to what Andy does and so on and so forth. But you got a little different twist to yours. What is that? Yeah, so look, this is an after party, Russ. It's, we're standing on our feet. We're going back to the old 106 and Park days where I have an audience. You know, it's, it's, I have a DJ. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It's, it's whimsical. It's everything that you expect from a Carlos King late night show. Right. So it's definitely different than any late night show that's on the air right now, for sure. Right. So, of course, everybody knows you as the king of reality uh, TV. Well, some people do, but I do. Uh, Love and Marriage has been a very <laughs> successful franchise. And, of course, the one Love and Marriage in Huntsville, um, my wife and I, uh, we have appointment viewing. We watch it every week. <laughs> so now you're doing D.C. with my boy uh, Quicksilver and uh, Monique Samuels and the whole nine. How, how's, how are the ratings going for that? It's going really well. Listen, we are in the top 10 um, of the most watched households on Saturday nights and just the just a entire landscape of reality television. So it's such a huge blessing. Love and Match Huntsville is the most watched show on the Oprah Winfrey Network. Can you believe that? That is wonderful. So it's, 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 but I thank you and your wife for appointment viewing every Saturday because you guys have so many options. Right. On Saturday, so to stay home and watch this is a blessing, and um, I'm super appreciative of it, and people are loving D.C., mm-hmm. the ratings are doing well, so my goal, Russ, is to make sure that people, instead of going to the club, mm-hmm. Carlos King is bringing the entertainment to you guys from 8 o'clock until 1030. That's wonderful. I, I got to ask you, when did you start in this business? Because, you know, all of a sudden, Carlos King, Carlos King, Carlos King, Carlos King. <laughs> when did you start? When? What was your first big break? So it's interesting. I am from Detroit, Michigan. So mm-hmm. I left Detroit at 22 years old, moved to New York City, and I was like, you know what? I need to get an internship because I was studying everything Puffy did, right? Mm-hmm. And he always said, get an internship. So I interned Russ at The View, MTV, wow. and my last internship was at BET. And because of that, BET hired me in as a PA. And I was there for two years. Then I got a call to do this new reality show called The Real Housewives of Atlanta. And I would say that was my big break into being now called the king of reality TV. See, here's the thing, guys. Did you hear his travel? Did you hear the work that he put in? He was a PA. That's an assistant. That is, it is a great job to have because if you get in there, you can learn everything about what everybody does. And apparently that's exactly what you did. Because when you talk to people about Carlos King, they just say, Carlos is cool as hell. I remember one time I, I, you had me come out and I, I did an interview for one of your shows and 
You treated Hollywood me, divas. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. You treated me like, Russ, I've known you forever. And I, that made me feel good. That tells me a lot about you and your personality, you know. I know that Thank sometimes you. when you're doing what you're doing, you're going to get some criticism and saying, okay, there's a lot of over the top stuff. And how is this, mm-hmm. how this objectively hold us in some kind of highlight uh, for America to see? What is your response to that? Look, one thing I always say to people is at the end of the day, my job, which is the reason why I started my production company, Kings of Rank Entertainment, is because I wanted to create a platform for black professionals to showcase you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, Mm -hmm. so that they can be relatable to a mass audience. And at the end of the day, one thing I pride myself on is I'm truly following the reality of these people's lives. Mm -hmm. And look, you could turn on the 10 o'clock news and see the craziest things. You could turn on Mm -hmm. social media and see the craziest things. You could turn on the Oscars right? and see the craziest <laughs> thing, right? There you go. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Listen, I, I, I pride myself on following the reality, but I also pride myself on I don't have to go the low-hanging fruit route mm-hmm. in terms of every time you watch an episode of mine, there's a physical altercation. Right. We don't do that on the Carlos King show. I make sure to talk to my cast about that. And mm. look, that's not that's not me saying... I think less of people who do that. Right. What I'm saying to you is I do pride myself on every show nice. that I have on my slate. I make sure that black professionals are at the forefront. There we go. Carlos King, the nightcap with Carlos King airing Saturdays at 10 p.m. Eastern time. That's on own. And man, I just want to say congratulations. I love what you're doing, man. Uh, you're an inspiration to a lot of people out there and you're the epitome of what hard work does. If you're a good person and you work hard, you will be rewarded. Carlos, thank you, man. Thank you. I'm my brother. All right, bro. Thank you so much, my brother. I appreciate it. All right, take care now. Coming up in just one second, we're going to be talking to a lady that I admire a lot. I mean, she's on every show on television. She knows how to give out that advice just based on worldly experience. Uh, she's incredible. Uh, coming up next, we're talking to Judge Lynn Toller. So y'all hang out. On the line right now, Judge Toller, whenever you need some common sense spoken to you, uh, you can turn on just about any show, and she's going to be on there, <laughs> giving her POV. Uh, but commit or quit. The finale is tonight, and of course, that's on WeTV. Uh, first of all, I just want to say good morning to you, uh, Judge Toller. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm I'm just fabulous. I mean, I, we commit or quit is one of those shows that we DVR. My wife and I we we have a night where we watch all of our favorite shows. That's one of them. Marriage Boot Camp. Uh, you name it, anything that you're on, you've made it a lot better. So I just want to say that. Uh, the well, se- thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. The season finale tonight, uh, you are coming back for another season, I hope. I should hope so. It depends on how many of y'all watch it. Right. It's a good show. It really is a good show. I mean, you you get to sit up and watch people uh, do their everyday thing. And then, of course, uh, you provide your wisdom as to whether they can stay together or not. Um, has there ever been an instance where you told people to quit and they just like, okay, uh, yeah, we're going to stay. Never mind what the judge said. Well, they said they were going to quit. She moved out. And like when a week later, she moved back in, you know, the show was about that situation ship that you can't get out of. People mm-hmm. can be dating for six and seven years. They can't decide to put up or shut up. Mm-hmm. And in helping them do that, I try to teach everybody some lessons about how to be successfully together. And commit or quit was kind of like an answer to 
when I'm on marriage boot camp, everybody says, why can't you do what you do for people on marriage boot camp for regular people? So commit a quit was my attempt to do just that. Right. You know, you have such a world experience because I sit up and I listen to uh, some of the bits and nuggets of information that you give people. And I know you can't possibly have gone through all that. Are, are you trained in psychology? I know you have a doctorate in law. Uh, but not to say that you have to be trained, but uh, is that something that you've like studied or, you know, or is this just life experiences where you'd be able to shed this information with people or share it? There, there are a lot of different levels to how I, I, I got to be able to know what I know. Number one is I had a very emotionally intelligent mother. Mm. I mean, she was very good at reading people and she taught me all through my life about how to take my emotions out of the situation and read other people. Then I went on to a municipal court. A municipal court is when reg- regular people do a wrong thing. They're not rapists. They're, they're, it's domestic violence. Mm-hmm. It's assault. It's neighbor's argument. So you learn there for 10 years because I would arrange 75 people in one morning. So mm-hmm. you talk to people and you learn and understand. And then my mother would come to court and tell me where I screwed up. Mm. Uh, because <laughs> I do not. Oh, yeah. She said, let me tell you what you did wrong, baby. <laughs> I remember that perfectly. I had been, I had, I was uh, sentencing somebody on a domestic violence case, and I gave him what some uh, some judges call the acid rain dance. I yelled at him and sent him in, and she went back there, and she said, let me tell you what you did wrong. She said, uh, he's in jail for six months thinking about that B he hit and that other B that sent him to jail, mm. and he hasn't learned anything. I said, when you have, a, you have a singular opportunity to speak to people, and you have to speak of people in a way that they know you understand their point of view. Mm-hmm. You start where other people are, and you slowly walk them home. So between my time on the bench, my time with my mother, and also I do a great deal of reading about the psychology mm-hmm. of emotion in people, and my sister is a, a brain doctor, a neurologist who's interested in that as well. Wow. So I'm just keep learning all the time yeah. so I can refine what it is I don't know. Well, you know, I'd like to say it is a gift because for for you to be able to uh, to relate and uh, and give information that's beneficial to people, because you can watch something like on Commit a Quit or uh, or Marriage Boot Camp, and you may be dealing with something similar to that. And usually your words of wisdom covers all those bases. I also wanted to talk to you before I let you go. Um, uh, I, I really just wanted to get your opinion and, and how you feel and how you feel that women are going to be affected by Roe versus Wade being struck down. Oh, I, I think that abortion will continue. They, they will just be unsafe. Uh, and I think that um, legislatures are going to have to uh, deal with it on the local level. I think it's going to invite possibly a, a, a it will, I think, stop up some of the red waves mm-hmm. because I think women are going to vote their 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 autonomy. Mm-hmm. And uh it's going to change. It's going to be ugly in the beginning, but we are going to figure out a way to get past it because too many women are going to be too hurt too often. Absolutely. To let it, to let it stand the way it is. I hear you. All right. Tonight, you guys on WeTV, of course I DVR, but you guys can watch tonight on WeTV, commit or quit the season finale with judge Toller. Uh, judge, thank you. It's just been an honor talking to you and I will be continuing to watch you because, uh, at the, Anything I can steal from you and share with other people and, and take credit for it, that's just what I'm going to do. <laughs> thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye now. Uh-huh. Bye-bye.
Well, coming up next, y'all, yes, we're going to be talking to Paul Butler. He's a Georgetown University law professor. And, of course, we're going to be talking about the January 6th committee. It's been interesting, y'all, so stay right there. On the phone line, ladies and gentlemen, he is a uh, Georgetown University professor. He's a law professor, MSNBC legal analyst, author of Chokehold, Policing Black Men, and one of the sharpest legal minds on television, Paul Butler. How are you doing this morning, sir? I'm good. Hey, so listen, Paul, um, of course, you know, the other day during the um, hearings, um, you know, people are going, how much more do they need to indict the former president of the United States? Is what he's doing other than having a super temper tantrum against the law? Uh, how many laws is it against? Um, at least three federal laws, obstruction of a, of, of a official proceeding, conspiracy to defraud the United States, and sedition, using violence to try to overthrow the government. Because, Russ, what we heard yesterday was that Trump wanted to join the angry mob. He wanted to incite the insurrection at the scene of the crime, and he knew that these people were armed and dangerous, and he was more concerned about protecting them than he was the vice president. There was like a, a metal detector, and he was Trump was told these people they're not they can't come into this perimeter, the security perimeter where you're speaking, Mr. President, because they're armed and dangerous. Trump said, "Oh, they're not going to hurt me. Let them in." Mm. Because it's about yeah, optics for him. It's, it's optics. He has this um, weird fetish about crowd sizes and things like that. So, the, I mean. It, I think that whole move, because they're now trying to discredit this lady, Chastity Hutchinson, saying there's no way that Trump lunged at the driver because in the beast, there's so much of equipment, there's no way he can get to it. Well, it turns out they weren't driving in the beast. They were driving in a regular SUV. And personally, uh, just for me to speculate, is that I think that was all show for Trump. That's part of an act. Hey, look, it's going to get back to everybody that I tried to get out there and I tried to go at my own security. I I thought that was a big act because I I think he's fraudulent, but that's my personal opinion. But I have to ask you, at some point, you know, with all the testimony and these people are, are testifying under oath, I want you to explain to the audience what happens when you lie when you're under uh, under oath. Uh, you can go to jail unless you're the president of the United States. And again, Trump was careful to about what he said under oath. But federal prosecutors take lying to the FBI or lying when you're sworn to tell the truth very seriously. So the cliche in D.C. is it's always the cover-up. But if there's witness intimidation or Trump or his folks are trying to get people not to talk or not to tell the truth, that's even more criminal exposure. Which we found out um, the other day also that they were basically intimidating witnesses. Uh, So I have to ask you, uh, people are really frustrated with uh, 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 Mr. Garland. Uh, The DOJ, if they do nothing, do, do they have enough that the DOJ can go, okay, uh, it's time to really indict some people. Do they have enough on Trump? Yeah, so Russ, here are the two considerations for the Attorney General of the United States. The first is they definitely have enough right now to prosecute Trump. The question is, could they get a jury to convict? That means they'd have to persuade 12 people beyond a reasonable doubt that he did it. I think there's enough evidence 
you know, I think they're also a little bit concerned because there's never been a prosecution of a president for our crime. But the other question is, is a prosecution in the best interest of the country? Even if you think Trump did it, would a prosecution be so divisive that it just wouldn't be worth it? And I think that with this testimony that we heard yesterday, again, this isn't some crime committed on paper. This is blood and gore. We're talking about knives and guns that the president authorized. And mm-hmm. so when you think about the public interest here, come on, man. Yeah. No person is supposed to be above the law. Exactly. What would the message be if Trump was allowed to get away with this? Mm. So if you're a betting man, you think that charges are on their way? Um, it's up to Mary Garland. It's up to the attorney general. I certainly think that he should charge. You know, he calls himself an institutionalist. At this point, if you're that concerned about the Justice Department and its reputation, as you certainly should be, you have to prosecute. Because if you don't, you send a message again that some people can get away with insurrection, with incitement, with sedition. Paul Butler, Georgetown University law professor, MSNBC legal analyst. You see him all the time. The dude is absolutely brilliant. Also the author of Chokehold Policing Black Men. Thank you so much for your time, man. It's invaluable, man. I really appreciate you educating us. Always my pleasure. All right, Paul. My brother. Take care, bro. Bye-bye. You too.